following message was given by Raymond Goodlett on Sunday, July 16th at Redemption Hill Church. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org. For those who don't know me, my name is Raymond and I'm one of the pastors here. It's always a pleasure to be here with you like this. I love, I love that you all love to greet each other like that and spend time talking to each other. It's, it's always exciting to see. Do me a big favor if you would and, and get one of those Bibles in front of you. We're going to be in Proverbs chapter 18 this morning, specifically verses 13 and 17. If you were with us last week, you'll know that we're continuing our series in the Proverbs and Pastor Mark Becton led us through Proverbs chapter 7 last week where he he talked about the nature of the temptations that we face and and how those tend to work on us. And so this this morning, I'm going to follow that up by looking at a couple of specific temptations that we're reminded of here in Proverbs chapter 18. Namely, the temptation to move too quickly from listening to speaking and the temptation to jump too quickly to a conclusion or judgment before we've had enough time to hear uh, all of the most important and relevant voices on on a given issue. All right, so let's pray. And after I pray, we'll read verses 13 and 17 together and we'll go from there. Father, we just want to thank you for uh, your goodness and your patience toward us. Thank you so much for your word and for the conviction of your Holy Spirit. Who helps, who helps us to see where our lives are currently not aligned with your word. And thank you most of all for the grace that we find in the cross of your son Jesus. Help us to remember, to truly remember that our sins are fully forgiven if we belong to him by faith. And that our potential, as our friend Robert Greene likes to say, our potential in this life is no longer, is no longer determined by our past failures or or even our present shortcomings, but but by the power of your spirit who lives within us. And we ask all these things in your name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13 and 17. This is so quick, if you blink, you'll miss it, but but pay close attention for me. If you're reading one of the Pew Bibles, I believe it's on page 541. Verse 13 says, if one gives an answer before he hears, It is his folly and shame. And verse 17 says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Very often, especially I think if you're you're like me, some of you are good at this and this probably doesn't apply to you as much, but very often I think it's, it's far too easy for us to move too quickly from listening to speaking. It's certainly true in my case. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Um, And so today, if I can, I'm going to do my best to just try to help us take one step in the direction of of being better and and more patient listeners. And and of course, to do that, I'm going to spend all my time talking, (laughs) which is just, you know, what are you going to do? James chapter 1, verse 19. Some of us are familiar with that. It's, it's kind of like a, a New Testament twin to verse 13 here. 
James says there, Know this, my beloved brothers, let everyone, every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. But if, if we're honest, sin, sin tends to make us the opposite of that. Sin tends to make us slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. And, and if, you're, if you're thinking, well, anger's not really my thing, well, but, you know, so, sometimes the same sin can look different on the surface. So I like to think of it as when the Bible says not to be quick to anger, I like to think of it as quick to arrive at a place where our emotions take over and lead us to an ungodly response. We can probably all fit ourselves into that category, all right? And so that, because that's so natural for us as sinners, it's really important that we come across reminders like this in verse 13 from time to time. This verse reminds us that God actually cares. You would think this might be too small for God to be concerned about, but he actually cares about how we listen to each other. He knows how important that is for the relationships that we have, and our relationships with each other are extremely important. So important that Jesus died in order to make those relationships with both God and with each other the way they should be. So this is no small thing to God. He cares about how we listen to each other. This verse also reminds us that wisdom calls us to be more patient in our listening. And that often takes a good bit of self-control that we don't always have ready at our fingertips, especially in, in such an age of distractions. I suppose there have always been distractions, but I feel, I feel like that's even more the case now in this digital era. In fact, in fact, look at, look at me, or not at me, but look with me at verse 13. Look again. If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. The Bible actually says here that when we fail to listen to each other patiently, we're not simply... We're not simply guilty of being rude by cultural standards, right? We're not merely being inconsiderate. The language here in the Bible is actually much stronger. It says here that this is his folly and shame. We're actually guilty of something that is foolish and shameful in God's sight. And there's something else, look again at verse 13, something else I want us to notice. The charge being made here, the implicit charge, is not that no listening has taken place. This person has listened to a degree, but what, what the Bible is denouncing here is a failure to listen patiently and fully. You can see that because he says here, if one gives an answer before he hears, that is what is considered folly and shame. So if you're, think with me, if you're giving an answer, or literally a word back, then you've already listened to a degree and now you're responding to what you've heard. But nonetheless, even though that's true, without listening fully and patiently, we're told here that we've departed from wisdom and we've entered into foolish and shameful territory in God's sight. Now, I wanna make this very practical for us. Maybe this is just me or maybe this applies to some of you as well. Have you ever cut someone off while they're speaking to you? Just by a show of hands. Raise your right hand if that's you. Yeah, okay. Raise your left hand if you've ever had someone do that to you. Yeah, yeah. Now don't point at the person who's guilty of that. <laughs> Get that hand, go straight up. 
most of us have been on both sides of that, of that sin. Um, if you have, then you understand a little bit about why the Bible refers to this as both foolish and shameful. Why, why does God use that language in particular? Why is this foolish? Well, think about this. From time to time, this thing will happen. And this other person's speaking to me, and I'm listening, and unbeknownst to that person, this thought comes to my mind. I happen to believe this thought is very important. It needs to be said, and often it needs to be said right away. Now, the other person doesn't know this. They don't know that I have just been supplied with the most, <laughs> the most important thing that anyone could hear at this moment. And, and so, again, to my shame, which I think is the right way to describe it, far, far too often, I will, I will cut that person off and I will, I will make room for my own words as I put them aside. Um, if, if you've ever done that, you, you kind of, if you think about it, will understand why that is foolish. Think with me. If this really is important and helpful, but I cut the other person off, completely disregard them and cut them off in order to say it, are they really going to be interested in what I'm saying? Like, are they really going to be paying attention to what I'm saying if that's how I introduce it? No, so it will probably just fall on deaf ears, correct? So it's foolish to do this. It's also shameful for a number of reasons. I mean, think about something as basic as what Jesus teaches us in the golden rule, right? Most people who don't even really, who aren't as, some people aren't very familiar with Jesus, but they're still familiar with the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Matthew chapter seven, verse 12. How many of you enjoy when you're cut off like that? Not as many hands this time. Did you notice that? No, you don't enjoy that. You don't wake up and say, I can't wait to get to church and see all these people so I can enter into some conversations and have everyone cut me off while I'm telling. Nobody, nobody does that. Nobody wants to be treated that way. And yet, we do it to others. And so, we're, we're failing at that point to treat others and to do to them as we would have them do to us. It's also shameful because it goes against what God tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. Let each of you consider others more significant than yourselves. What am I communicating when I just cut someone off while they're speaking? Whether I realize it or not, I'm communicating quite clearly that I am more important than that other person. I am more significant than you. That's why my words need to be heard right now and you have to stop. Now, I would never... I would never think of it that way. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I, I think I'm more important than everybody and, and walk around that way. My actions at that moment are communicating that. All right, so, so I, I think when we see that about ourselves, it, it's, it's good to, to pause, to realize what God is trying to, to do and, and to turn, to trust what he says is the best way to approach these things and to turn, right? That's what we mean when we use words like repent. Turn from sin and walk in the direction of God's word and God's will for our lives. So what would it look like? 
What would it actually look like to be quicker to hear, slower to speak, slower to get angry, and instead of entering, instead of entering and engaging in our conversations in a way that God would consider foolish and shameful, what would it look like to display wisdom and honor when others are speaking to us? I'm just going to give us a, a few very practical things to think through. These are things that I personally am going to be working on this week, right? And hoping that God will, will, will help me with this. And everyone who, who lives with me is hoping that God will work on me as well. <laughs> but here are just a few things to think through. Number one, intentionally put away any distractions that would keep you from giving the person your full and undivided attention. One one of the things I've been really convicted about recently is I've noticed that at times, even sometimes when my wife is talking to me, I'll be on this as she approaches me to talk to me. I've I've been on this, then she begins to speak, and I'm, I'm kind of going between the two. I need to make it very clear at that moment to my wife that this is a way, and she has my full attention. Or if I have those, you know, things in my ear. This is a way, and you have my full attention. All right, so that, that, that shows the other person that you value what, that them, and you value what they're about to say. Um, and it, it is, it's honorable, and it's good to do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to that this week, um, asking God to, to deal with anything in my heart that would cause me to... To be, undiv- or to be divided in my attention to people. And, and uh, I'm going to hopefully make some gains there. there. There is one caveat I want to mention. Parents of very young children. Parents, and I'm talking toddlers, you know, young children. If your children are still, you know, in that stage of life where if you take your eye off them for like five seconds, there's no telling what's going to happen to them or someone else. Like you're, you're at the playground and they're up on a, you know, they're on a swing or they're going up a slide or, or whatever the case is. Um, you, you sometimes don't have the luxury of giving other people your undivided attention. You know what I mean? It's amazing how creative our children are at finding ways to hurt themselves when they're little, right? So if you're at a pool or the playground and you've got to give them your attention, that's fine. I used to actually tell people when they would come up and and talk to me in those situations, I would say, I promise to give you my completely divided attention. It's it's the best I can do right now. So don't feel bad about that if that's you, mom and dad, and you've got those really, really little ones. But, But otherwise, I would say, do your best. Make it clear that you're giving your undivided attention to those who are speaking to you. Secondly, I would say this. Uh, exercise self-control. May really patiently listen to the other person who's speaking to you. And do not simply wait for your opportunity to talk. As if, if you're old enough, you'll remember those merry-go-rounds on the playground. I think they've taken them all away for safety reasons, right? Got my thoughts about that, but you don't, you don't need to know what I'm thinking about that. It's good not to say everything you're thinking. But if you're old enough to remember those merry-go-rounds, we would always try to figure out when's the best time to jump and get on while it's spinning. And I think we listen to people like that quite often. When's it my turn to jump in and, and say what I need to say? So I, I have found it helpful recently to just discipline myself to, to not do that and to... 
to allow someone to come to the end of what they seem to be saying now and actually leave enough room for them to continue if they choose to do so. And then beyond that, here's, I'll give you a third one that, that I've been finding helpful. And I've really benefited from people that I've observed who are really good at this. The third is just to ask a question that invites the person to continue speaking uh, if they'd like to do so. You know, and I, again, I'm not very good at this stuff, but I really appreciate those of you who are. And I, I'm, I'm actually learning a whole lot from some of you. So keep doing what you're doing if you're good at this. Other people are learning and benefiting and growing because of your, your example. Um, for the rest of us, it's good to remember, this might seem like a small thing, and I know we're just talking about practical stuff, but this is, this is really important. It actually stems from things that are going on in the heart. There's a, there's, a, there's a deep, and I would say deeply rooted issue attached to sin when it comes to why I don't listen properly to other people, right? And that's something God intends to root out and to replace with something he considers to be wise and honorable. And so, again, this seems like it's small, too small for God to be concerned about, but it really isn't. He cares. He cares about how we listen to each other. And in verse 17, go with me there now, you'll see that he cares about something else as well. He actually cares about whether or not we take the time to listen adequately to both sides before we rush to a judgment. Now, I... I've been really concerned about us just as a culture lately. I, I think that we've really gone in the opposite direction here. I think, that, I think that when we're first presented with an allegation or an accusation, we're, we're, we're starting to become more characterized by jumping to an immediate conclusion. And so I just wanna, I just wanna show us here um, what the Bible has to say about some of that, starting in Proverbs 18, verse 17. Again, we see there that the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. The wise man in Proverbs, the wise man or the wise woman understands that it's extremely important to hear both sides of an argument or both sides of an issue before drawing any final conclusions. Now, of course, this principle can be applied broadly to lots of different things, right? I won't get into it too much, but I was thinking about this even as, as many Supreme Court decisions came out and just, I have always benefited from hearing both sides of those, those arguments, especially when I listen to the side that I would say I disagree with. That I, have, I have always come away listening to people explain their side and just, sometimes I marvel at, at how, how easily they seem to be able to bring something up I haven't considered. And how much I benefit from considering that. And, and more to the point, for our relationships, I mean, it really matters. We, we, I always come away from those experiences appreciating someone else more, even if I ultimately end up still disagreeing with them, right? So I'm not always persuaded to join them where they are, but, but at the very least, I end up appreciating them more. And our relationships are always helped by that. I don't think, you, I'm not a prophet, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we are never going to get to the place as a church where all of us agree on every single thing like that. Do you all think that that probably sounds right? I don't think that's ever going to happen. But I do think with God's help, we're, we're, we're going to be able to increasingly go and have peace and, and, and remain together 
despite any differences or disagreements we may have about some of these things. But it, it really is going to take very careful attention to things like this, when God says, hey, I want you to not too quickly jump to a conclusion, and I definitely want you to hear, at least from the other side. Let, let someone who disagrees with you examine what you currently believe. Let them question those things. And, 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 and for, this, for time's sake, I'm going to apply this most specifically to, to one thing. The need to reserve judgment about a person, right? When we are first given, let's say, an accusation or an allegation. When someone, one person comes to us with an allegation or an accusation about someone else, it is critical. It is critical for us as believers to remember what God says and for us not to too quickly jump to a conclusion. Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. And I think if you have the Pew Bible, this should be on page 144. Numbers chapter 35, verse 30. If anyone kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death on the evidence of witnesses. But no person shall be put to death on the testimony of one witness. Much of what we do in our culture here in terms of legal status and, and the, the whole idea of the presumption of innocence is built upon something God says in his word. We're not supposed to hear one voice bring an allegation and immediately jump to a conclusion about someone's innocence or guilt. When someone comes to us and, and gives us their side of a particular uh, event that has occurred, we should leave enough room, verse 17 in, in Proverbs 18 tells us, enough room for that initial report to be more carefully examined. The way of wisdom teaches us that that is extremely important. That picture needs enough time and enough room to develop. And God often has very wise ways of developing those things for us. We just have to, we have to be patient enough to hear more than the initial voice. And that, that principle is not limited to something as serious as an allegation about, let's say, murder or something where maybe a death penalty would be warranted. But, but it extends to other things as well. Listen to Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15. And this will probably, I think, be on page 162. It says there again, a single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. So regardless of the particular crime, offense, or, or what we're talking about, the Bible points us in the direction of saying, whatever that may be, no person is to be automatically considered guilty of any offense on the testimony of one voice, one witness. Do you all see that? So far from demanding that we jump to immediate conclusions about someone's innocence or guilt after hearing the first voice, wisdom encourages us to leave enough time and enough room for those words to be examined, for that picture to be further developed. And this, I'm going to give an important caveat here. That does not mean that we don't believe the person who spoke to us first. 
I want, stick with me here. I want, watch what I'm saying. That does not mean we don't believe that person. It simply means that we believe what God has said about the best way to approach this issue. And that we're going to allow his word to determine our steps. One of the practical ways that works out here at Redemption Hill, you've heard us talk often about child safety and we take that very seriously. If, God forbid, but if we receive a report about, about an allegation of something that has happened to a child, we take immediate and responsible action regarding that report. We refer that to the appropriate authorities and we do that right away. But that's different. While we take immediate and responsible action, we do not immediately jump to a conclusion about a person's innocence or guilt. Do you understand the difference? So that's very important. And so the wisdom of God teaches us it's possible to do these things. It's possible to take an initial report very seriously. It's possible to believe the person who brings the report. And it's possible to do all of that even while we don't jump to a conclusion about someone's innocence or guilt. And while we maintain the presumption of innocence until someone's proven guilty and take no further action until a fuller investigation warrants further action. Are you, are you all with me on, on that? That is extremely important and extremely critical because we, we want to make sure people are free and feel safe and feel honest enough to bring those allegations forward. That, that environment has to allow for that. And at the same time, we have to allow for an environment where God gives us enough time for a picture to develop more fully so that we can act just as responsibly on this end as we do on this end. You all, you all see how that works? So very, very important. This is something that, that is very critical for us to understand. And it does mean today that we'll have to go at times in the opposite direction of our culture, which is very quick, or very quick to, to draw conclusions, uh, especially about people's innocence or guilt. So for Christians, again, the voice of one witness should never be enough to ultimately establish the innocence or guilt of anyone who is accused. And, and I'm going to give you one exception to that. There is one voice. There is one voice that all by itself is sufficient for establishing the truth. The truth about our guilt or innocence and the punishment we deserve for our guilt and also the truth about the grace and the forgiveness that we can have through Jesus Christ. And that one voice, that one witness is God himself. Jesus actually says in John chapter 8, I forget exactly where, but, but he was accused of speaking on his own behalf and they said, You're, here you are appearing as your own witness, your testimony is not valid. And Jesus corrected them and said, listen, even if, even if I'm the only witness speaking, I'm not alone. I speak with the Father. What I say stands. Every word of God, every word of God is sufficient to establish the truth fully and finally. Every word of scripture comes from the mouth of God. So what we're going to do right now is as we begin to wrap up, what we're going to do right now, and I'm thinking especially, especially if you, you are here today or you're listening and you've, you've maybe had some experience with religion enough to be sort of familiar with these concepts and enough to maybe 
enough to maybe have some negative experiences with Christians that have kind of gotten in between you and Jesus himself. If that's you and you've never fully given your heart or your life to Jesus Christ, I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking about you right now and I want you to listen very closely. Fully and patiently listen to what God has to say about us in the Bible. He says that we are indeed guilty of sinning against him. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 puts it this way. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. That includes me. That includes you. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's a consequence for that. We haven't merely failed in in our relationships with each other. We haven't merely failed to listen to each other well. We've failed to listen to God. We've turned our backs on Him and we've gone our own way through life. We, We have literally taken the lives that God has graciously given us. He was under no obligation to share life with us. But He chose to give us life and then we took those lives and used them to dishonor Him, to sin against Him. He is well within His right to recall that life. And so Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us the wages of sin is death. That is what we rightly deserve, the wage we deserve for the work we have done. We have earned death because of sinning against God. That very same verse though will give us the good news. That while our guilt is fully established in God's eyes, the the latter part of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says that though the wages of sin is death, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. John chapter 3 verse 16 puts it this way. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. We are guilty and deserving of death, but we are loved. We are loved and we can receive forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus died on a cross. And when he did that, he took the sins of all those who believe in him. He took those sins upon himself. He took them to the cross and he was nailed to that cross and he died there. And and, and I'll tell you one of the ways, you you know how you know he will fully forgive, no matter what you've done, you know how you you know he will fully forgive you? If if I can just for a moment try to help you, forget all the worst examples of religion or Christianity you've encountered. Don't let any of those things get between you and Jesus right now. I want you to see him. As he's dying upon the cross, this man actually spoke words of forgiveness to those who were literally nailing him to that piece of wood. As he was going through the worst kind of torture anybody could experience, at that very moment, what came out of Jesus was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When we come to him today, with the record of our lives and we humbly approach him and say Jesus 
Does that offer of forgiveness include me? Can it possibly include me? His answer is yes. All day, every day, his answer is yes. You say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You're probably right about that. But, but guess what? He does. And the forgiveness is his to give to you. It's not mine. And he, he will forgive all. All that needs to be forgiven. He died on that cross. But on the third day, God raised him from the dead. And that proves something. It proves that God accepted the sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. That Jesus conquered the sin that we turned over to him and asked to be forgiven. And it will never be used against us again in God's courtroom. Everyone who trusts in Jesus has has had their sins removed from God's sight. Indelibly. Removed from God's sight never to be brought up against us ever again. Fully put under his blood. We are now fully free and accepted by God if we trust in Jesus. And that's true for everyone who comes to him. So I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this. You've listened to God. And now it's your turn to speak. You've heard what he says to you about your guilt. But just as importantly about the grace that he offers to you in his son Jesus Christ. It's your turn to speak now. What will you say to this gracious God who is patiently waiting on your answer? Let's pray. Lord, go go throughout the room and do your work right now in our hearts. For those who have never received your offer of grace through Jesus Christ please open their hearts remove anything that would hinder them receiving a full forgiveness and the fullness of your grace remove anything in their way as only you can and Lord bring them to the point where they receive Jesus for themselves and also receive his Holy Spirit to be with them forever and Father For those of us who have had the blessing of of knowing that grace that comes to us through Jesus, I pray that you would continue to establish our hearts by that same grace and that you would increasingly make us more and more like the Jesus who saved us. That you will increasingly, even in something that seems as simple as helping us to more effectively and patiently listen to each other, I pray that you would give us the measure of grace required to make that happen in our hearts so that Lord ultimately ultimately your church would look more and more like your son and we ask all these things in your son Jesus' name Amen You've been listening to a message by Raymond Goodlett given at Redemption Hill Church in Richmond, Virginia For more information on the church and to hear other messages please visit us online at www.redemptionhill.org